Hi, this is Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com here for another DevOps chat. Uh, t- this episode's guest is Mohit Bartnagar, VP Products and Solutions at Cluster HQ. Hi, Mohit. How are you? Hi, Alan. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. So, Mohit, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about a, a recent survey that Cluster HQ partnered with us here at DevOps.com on around mm-hmm. container usage, uh, persistent storage, and and so forth. Um, but before we do, I just a quick, maybe some of our listeners are not familiar with Cluster HQ and I, in the area in the issue of transparency, and, and just to let them know, what what tell us a little bit about Cluster HQ. Yeah, Cluster HQ is a startup based out of uh, Silicon Valley in San Francisco. Uh, we are a very passionate bunch of engineers and uh, product uh, people uh, who want to solve the problem of container data management. Uh, in a sense, we want to do for uh, container data uh, what Docker did for uh, uh, compute. Uh, we look at uh, data management aspects of container as a vital part of uh, uh, the container evolution, and that means that data management will go across the entire DevOps cycle. So the notion that containers are for a stateless service and not for a stateful is a false notion, and it is uh, actually gratifying for us to see how uh, industry at large is beginning to come to that realization, uh, which is something that uh, was the reason why the company was started two years back. So anytime you think of containers, anytime you think of intersection of that with persistent storage data, that's the kind of problems we solve. Uh, most uh, Our most commonly known product at this point is Flocker which is an open source software. This is a contribution we made to uh, the community last year. And since then, Flocker has become the leading um, persistent storage uh, volume driver with support across uh, 20 plus uh, underlying storage systems such as AWS, GCE, and uh, OpenStack, et cetera. Excellent. And then, um, Mohit, let, with that being said, let, let's dive into, into the survey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought there was some really interest, and of course, this was actually a second, a follow-on survey right. to a similar one we did last year. So to me, what was kind of most interesting was looking at the year-to-year changes mm-hmm. in some of these uh, responses from people and, and mm-hmm. seeing sort of the evolution, if you will, of, of the container mm-hmm. marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own favorites, but since you're the guest, I'll, I'll let you go first. What do you right. think are some of the most uh, important, you know, nuggets for people to take away from this? Right. Yeah, so, so uh, this is one of the beauties of uh, surveys. They do two things. A, they bring a statistical rigor to things that we might uh, know or we might think are true. And the second, it gives you trends in a much more quantifiable manner. Uh, so a couple of things. First of all, Everyone knows that the containers is a hot technology. Lots of organization and developers are adopting them, et cetera. Uh, so the survey there this year actually revealed that uh, 79% of the respondents said that their organization run container technology, with 76% of them said they are using in production environment. Okay, so here's the first piece of nugget for us. Uh, one is a number we are looking at is four-fifth of the people who surveyed, which is more than 300 people, said that they are using it. And they said in production environment, well, what does it mean? Uh, what it means is that there is beginning to containers becoming a mainstream technology. 
they are getting used in production environments ranging from uh, stateful services or uh, uh, even CI/CD kind of environments. Uh, so the use of containers in production environment, that was a first interesting insight. Just to calibrate, uh, this is a significant uh, increase from last year's survey where approximately one half of the respondents said they were deploying containers in production. So the fact that there is a substantial usage and that is a usage that is taking place in production, it is growing significantly fast. And what was very interesting for me is that when we asked this question last year, uh, how many of you will be using containers in production as a forecast in 2016, we actually found that pace of technology adoption is actually comparable or higher than what people thought it will be, which is remarkable because quite often technology adoption forecasts tend to be faster than the reality. So in this case, technology is being adopted. So that was first major insight. I think the one which I found it very interesting was we asked a question in 2015 and this year is that what are your barriers to container adoption? This was an open-ended question. Uh, people could choose uh, from a range of uh, options they had. And what was remarkable is that in both the surveys last year's and this year's, networking, security, and uh, persistent storage and data management came out to be the top three uh, barriers to adoption. And they accounted for more than 55% plus of the responses. What was surprising? was the order. The last year security was number one barrier to adoption, then there was networking, and then there was persistent storage slash data management. This year, the same three categories were there, but the order got flipped. And it was actually persistent storage, more than 25% people who said was the number one barrier to adoption. So clearly, uh, it is very um, gratifying in a sense because that is something which we believed in, and it is good to see people beginning to realize it. Um, what is also very important for us is to drill down and say, well, what does that barrier mean and what kind of solutions are there? So those were the two important ones. There are a couple others, time permitting, I can uh, drill down on those as well. Got it. <clears throat> um, so, you know what, I'm going to give you a chance to drill down because I know time's of the essence and I feel guilty taking up our time here with, with kind of my views on it. So why don't we drill down into, into a couple of these if it's okay with you? Right, right. So let's let's talk about uh, uh, persistent storage networking security. So first of all, uh, these three are all technically hard problem. And uh, I think what happened is that as uh, um, customers and developers started using containers, they went and started using them in stateless services. They used them probably in a non-clustered model uh, and they used them in environments where it was security was either not a high concern uh, or it was not a critical amount of data that was being uh, included. Well, as the technology adoption takes place, several things happen. Uh, scale becomes important. Well, suddenly the notion of networking uh, becomes important that the system needs to understand containers as a part of a cluster as opposed to um, a individual containers or set of containers sitting on a single host, they need to think of it across a cluster. So that make, meant, uh, means networking becomes important. Security obviously becomes important as people start using these systems in production environment. You want to make sure that there are uh, security vulnerabilities are not, um, not creeping up, and so security becomes an issue. 
And then the data part of it or data management persistent storage becomes important because as containers get adoption, they're no longer just being used for stateful, stateless services. If I'm an organization that is building a next generation PaaS for, an, uh, for my company, I need to think of that as a large cloud. Well, if it is a container-based PaaS, it makes complete sense to actually deliver the whole range of stateless and stateful services so that I have a single environment that I'm using for managing my entire cloud. What I don't want is certain pieces to be sitting on a next generation pass and other pieces, some kind of stateful services sitting on old fashioned siloed isolated clusters environment. So then you start talking about the notion of a large pass or an environment where stateful services such as uh, uh, database services um, or log files, or for that matter, actually, if you think about it, CICD Jenkins master is a stateful service. So you want to make sure that you can preserve that state, and that is making the persistent storage uh, as the uh, key problem. So that is an example of why networking security and persistent storage slash data management are consistently appearing as top barriers to adoption. Yeah, they are. Our focus, yeah, our focus clearly is data management and persistent storage, and we are passionate about it. So. Let me switch from the problems to the kinds of solutions and approaches that are there. So the first thing was the notion of uh, Docker has a notion of volume, uh, and what uh, Cluster HQ did working with the community is we made a contribution last year to open source where we brought the concept of volume drivers, and Flocker is the leading volume driver. And what it does is that traditionally when a container had a volume associated with it, and that container died or that host died, uh, the container's associated bits were lost. The notion of volume driver, what it does is that in a shared storage context, if a container moves from host one to host two, the volume that was associated and consequently the data that was associated with it gets unmounted and remounted so the storage persists. Now the beauty of this solution is that uh, Flocker integrates with Kubernetes, Mesos, Swarm, or any of the orchestration frameworks, as well as Docker Compose and Docker Registry in the north, and with shared storage in the south. And the shared storage could be public cloud, as I mentioned, could be AWS GCE, or it could be Ceph Cinder, or it could be a whole range of partnerships we have done across uh, uh, EMC, HP, NetApp, uh, Pure Storage, Hedwig, uh, etc. So what this means is a customer can actually take any underlying storage infrastructure, any of the orchestration frameworks, and we can actually ensure that Flocker can provide persistent storage um, across these environments. So that is the first step in, this, uh, in the solution that we are bringing to the market. The other piece which gets very interesting is, well, think about microservice architectures. Uh, in a 12-factor application development model, uh, microservices uh, are being developed where you want to separate the stateful component from stateless component. But guess what? During the development cycle, either as an individual developer or the QA or CI/CD or staging, testing needs to be done against a known test fixtures or state. Well, what if we can actually allow those state to be captured? And instead of trying to recreate the test from ab initio or team one doing testing using one set of test fixture and other team doing something else, 
we allow that state, if you will, to be, or the data, to be managed in a manner similar to what code is managed. So the notion of Git for data becomes very powerful, that I, ha I now have GitHub for my code, I have Docker registry for my Docker uh, components, and you have a Git for data, which is one of the capabilities we are building, where the state is captured. Now suddenly a combination of code plus Docker registry plus the data can allow the development teams uh, or the CI/CD um, automated tools or staging environments to be able to actually move, use the data which is appropriate for the development process. So the notion of persistent storage on the ops side and the notion of Git for data and a concept of volume or data hub uh, for the dev community becomes a very powerful uh, set of uh, tools so as to bring the solve the problem of data management and persistent storage. Got it. So, <clears throat> Mohit, as I as I warned you before we started recording, our issue always comes down to one of time with these podcasts, yes. and that's why I, I hesitated to jump in with a lot of my thoughts, only because I knew we time was the uh, short. It always is. But let me in what we have a, a minute or two left on our time here, and I want to try to pivot a little bit. Yeah. And and say okay, let's let's see when we do the third iteration of of this uh, survey yes. next year. What and I realize it's a little crystal balling, but what do you think the biggest what's going to jump out next year? Yes. Right that's that we a, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a great question. Love it. So I think one thing that will happen is that I'm expecting Alan and I would love to hear your thoughts uh is that number of people who said that they are running containers, which is in production today, 76%, that number will continue to increase. That's one thing that I expect to happen. Uh, secondly, this survey today said that number of companies that are making financial investment uh, was 52%, uh, where majority of them did that only in the less than a year. I expect a lot more of those people will start investing in the container-based technology. Uh, I think what uh, I will expect, and this is... Uh, going to be interesting. I do think that uh, storage, security, and networking will remain the top three areas. What is going to happen, however, is the problems that we are being solved are going to be addressed. So what I would expect in the container data management and persistent storage space is survey uh, to show that uh, companies such as Cluster HQ working with Docker or Kubernetes or Mesos and working with our storage partners indeed solve a large number of problems and persist storage. But people will then, obviously, as happens with technologies, they will be expecting next set of capabilities, such as, well, what does in a container stack, what does uh, workload movement means? If I want to move my workload from data center one to data center two, how do I actually make that movement happen? And it's not just a movement of, oh, I can move the Docker Compose file. Well, you need to take the elements which are with Kubernetes and so on, but the appropriate data. Uh, likewise, what if we can, as we talk about the notion of Git for data and Volume Hub, more sophisticated set of capabilities will be needed so as to do automated integrations where a staging environment can instantaneously be duplicated during the testing purposes uh, and the staging purposes, and when those things are done, they automatically shut down. Now think about the cost saving, flexibility, agility, the speed of development that will get enabled. So I expect the categories in terms of barriers will still remain uh, persistent storage data management, networking security, 
Uh, the order may uh, move bits and pieces here and there, but what will really happen is that the kinds of problems that we are talking today, many of them will get solved, and the new class of problems is what the vendors like us will be solving. Got it. Well, Mohit, unfortunately, we're over the 15 minutes. It always happens to us. Yes. But uh, we're going to have to call it a wrap on, on this episode of DevOps Chat. Maybe we can have you back on and we'll we'll talk more about – I'd love to talk more about the container market and the container space as a whole. Um, Would love to. This is a well. highly dynamic space and it's discussed thoughts and hear uh, other people's perspective. Absolutely. Or look, we could do webinars and stuff with that. We'll we'll discuss it offline. But for now, we're going to have to call it a wrap on this episode of DevOps Chat. Uh, Mohit Barknar, uh, VP Products and Solutions, Cluster HQ. Thanks for being our guest today. Thank you, Alan. My pleasure. Okay. Continued success to you and, and the Cluster HQ team. This is Alan Schemmel of DevOps.com. Uh, thanks and have a great day. 